Okay. Recording. Welcome to episode 68 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even our name. As always, I am your host, Michael Haig. I am your co-host, Sarah Lucas. And I'm your co-host, Mandy Conan. And at absolutely long last, this is Unicorn Hunting. Unicorns! Non-existent unicorns! <laughs> Fluffy unicorns! Dancing on rainbows! Wrong kind of unicorns. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I would much rather do an episode on actual unicorns than this. Yes. But let's slog through it and see where we end up. Yep. Yes. So before we get started, do a little update. It's been about a month between episodes right now. We are trying to pull ourselves back towards uh, every two weeks space. So yeah, I had a couple people reach out and ask if we were doing okay. And the, and the answer is basically yes. The upshot is just that everything about how really my specifically finances were set up and my work week was set up got up ended about two thirds of the way through the year of the pandemic. But the other thing I think also is there's obviously some main topics left like today we're doing unicorn hunting which is a big topic but we've, we've hit a lot of the topics that I wanted to hit when I started doing this which isn't to say that I'm going to stop doing it it's just more like now I'm trying to think of topics that I really get excited about and I think to some extent you can see that as a positive thing because I felt that the episode that we did on creating trust spaces was one of our all-time best episodes and it was in a sense because I had a month to think about what I wanted to do you know I spent the time figuring out what's something that's really important that we can really tackle well that we have particularly good information about. You know, Michael, that's the episode I think I've gotten the most feedback from listeners on. Everybody just fucking loved it. Like, they got so much from it. You know, we are trying to get back to doing episodes more regularly, but I think we're at the point where we've got more than 50 episodes behind us. We have the main topics like consent. We have our basic project. You know, I said at the beginning of this, my project was to lay out a general system of basic ethical um, interactions using the existentialist space that I work in. And I feel like I've sort of done that. So my focus now is trying to find episodes that I think add something really meaningful to the conversation beyond just establishing the context that I need to be able to work inside of. Because even in that episode, we referenced like six other episodes. We were like, go look at this, go look at this, go look at this. (laughs) And we needed that. We always needed that. And that was what we were doing, but that also made it easier to sort of shotgun them because you were like, oh, we haven't covered this basic thing. We haven't covered this basic thing. And now trying to figure out what we want to say and how we want to say it in a way that's useful. We've built those building blocks, though, and that's great. So I'm going to try and get back to more of a production schedule because I think that's something that people enjoy. But my goal is definitely going to be more on getting episodes that I think really matter, even if that takes longer going forward. So I I guess that's just going to be what the production schedule looks like. Not only is today the three-year anniversary of my first episode that I recorded with Probably Polly, it's also the seven-year anniversary of my family going and participating in our first Atlanta Polly weekend. That's cool. So... I think it's neat that it's both on the same day and I didn't realize it until tonight. So That's great. Yeah, I hate to say this, Mandy, but I think you had other news you need to put at the front. I do. Oh, I do have other news and I completely forgot about that too. (laughs) (laughs) I suck at this. (laughs) As of June 14th, you can now tune in on Mondays at noon Eastern time to the Many Loves Lunch Hour with Mandy on BFAM 109.5. I now have a one hour lunch hour show on internet radio that's live. Tune in every Monday, noon Eastern time, BFAM 109.5 FM. All right. We are all good. We're all happy and doing physically and emotionally well-ish, I think. Is that right? Did I speak Mm -hmm. wrong for us? Yeah. Yes, well-ish. (laughs) <laughs> yes, so we're not we're not in pain. I just have no. I just have issues editing on time. That's really the upshot. I have more work than I have time, and therefore editing is taking longer. Unicorn hunting. All right, so obviously there's a lot of stuff out on unicorn hunting. So why are we doing unicorn hunting? One, a lot of people have asked us to. That's one of the requests we've gotten a lot of times. We've gotten a lot from multiple people but also some of our most avid long-term listeners have repeatedly asked for it so we wanted to think again in the vein of what can we add to the discourse that isn't really there what would the value of a unicorn episode be we wanted to take the stance that if you're going to have a concept like unicorn hunting the only way that that concept is helpful is if it is 
always antisocial, always wrong, which is really what differentiates it from closed relationships or triads, quads, foursomes and moresomes, as they say, is that it's where you've crossed the line into problematic behavior inside of those spaces. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to take the stance that it's always wrong and then say, okay, so what's the definitional line? Where is the exact moment that it changes from being some form of reasonable closed relationship that you're searching for into unicorn hunting and then draw that line? And we think that's useful, hopefully, for a few reasons. One is I think it's useful for community standards and in general. So if you're working on a polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous community and you want to have a rule that says no unicorn hunting then you need that description of the standard to relate to and Mm -hmm. you need to be able to say because it's unethical so if you define unicorn hunting in a way that sometimes it's okay but sometimes it's not it's really hard to have any relevant rules and it doesn't really mean much at that point Contrawise, we also had this issue where we often see almost any kind of behavior that people don't like being labeled unicorn hunting yes Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost like a polyamory slur. Yeah. So someone will behave <laughs> a way is. that someone doesn't like, and they'll yeah. be like, you unicorn yeah. hunters. They're doing something anywhere close that could fit one of, that could check any of the boxes. They throw that UH out, and yeah. It has. It's become quite mm-hmm. a slur. People get super defensive, too, of course, when they hear that, because it has kind of become a slur. Also because, again, the definition is often so open, people will say things even in unicorn hunting posts like, you're not a bad person or what you're doing, you know, isn't necessarily wrong or we can understand why you're doing it. Maybe it's they put the definition in a space where sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not okay. And we don't think that's helpful because then people will just latch on to whatever the excusing language is in whatever article that is and say oh well i'm doing the acceptable type or it's not really unicorn hunting because right and obviously we don't believe in bad people we only believe in bad actions on this show so we don't even like to use the word bad we say antisocial so we want to say that unicorn hunting is an antisocial action you can be a pro-social person who takes antisocial actions in fact all of us sometimes make antisocial actions by mistake you are not alone you're in great company with literally every human being we want you to do better and to be better and to learn how to be social and to get your needs met and to get your wants met and to live happy, healthy lives because we believe that fundamentally being more pro-social is actually better for you, the person being more pro-social, that you will live a happier life that has better outcomes by being more ethical as much as anyone else will benefit from your increased ethicality. Yeah. Amen. We have long in closed chat channels and amongst ourselves preached a specific concept that unicorn hunting had to have a minimum of three features which was a one penis policy closed relationship structure and couples privilege and we felt that so strongly we actually did all three of those episodes as groundwork for this episode then we got in here we sat down we recorded this episode once we spent the entire time talking about it And we came up with Mm -hmm. a new criteria we'd never talked about before, which is relationship contingency. And relationship contingency is the idea that one relationship's participation is contingent upon behavior in another relationship in some way. Here we don't mean like reasonably contingent, like obviously if you start abusing one of your partners, your other partners may see that as a reason to leave. And that's that's not what we mean, regular dating contingency. So if I break up with my first partner... I will automatically be broken up with by my second partner. Mm-hmm. We're going to return to our probably polycast, Jamie, Alex, and Aaron for this episode. Jamie and Alex are going to be the existing couple. Aaron is going to be our unicorn. So in this case, what we mean by contingency would be something like if Jamie and Alex start dating Aaron, and they say if Aaron breaks up with either Alex or Jamie the other one will break up with them as well. That's what we mean by a contingent relationship. Once we had stumbled upon relationship contingency, we kind of felt like nothing else really mattered. And then we all wanted to go back to our corners and think about it. So I haven't actually heard what everyone said once they thought about it. But the place that we reached was basically that contingency dating would meet all of our criteria for being unicorn hunting and also was in itself a sufficient condition. So a necessary and sufficient condition all by itself. Mm-hmm. Because we originally had some debate like, does it have to be a closed relationship? And obviously we think that an open relationship is less problematic than a closed yeah. one, right? So if Jamie and Alex 
are dating Aaron, but Aaron can also date other people, that's less scary than if Jamie and Alex are dating Aaron and it's also, you can't date anyone but us. But the thing is, a lot of the problematic behavior doesn't have to be explicit. It can be implicit. We all know how hard it is to date two people, let alone a couple, let alone start dating two people or a couple, and how easy that is to basically become 80, 90... 100% 100% of your social circle while you're doing it. Yeah, because a lot of people are polysaturated at two people. Yeah, and as we've said, triad quads are poly on steroids, right? So for a lot of people, having a, a triad relationship, even if they're theoretically able to have other relationships, is pretty much it. They don't have time for anything right. else. <laughs> right. End up sucking up all of your reasonable social time to the point that other relationships are really difficult to maintain, which should be pretty obvious because even in our cultural group, like American cultural group. I don't know about you know, how you know it is in other countries exactly, but a lot of times a married couple is basically, that's it, right? Like they have friends, but they're sort of acquaintances they barely see. They pretty much put all their time and effort into each right. other. And if there's kids involved. Yeah. and So basically we originally were like, well, closed relationships are requirement. And then we were like, well, but what about if the relationship isn't closed, but it's still sucking up 90 to 100% of your emotional energy and then it's also contingent and you feel like you can't break up with either partner or you'll lose every meaningful person in your life right now. And we were like, that's a problem. Yeah. No, that's bad. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's still bad. We're still yep. going to say that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, well, maybe we don't care if it's closed or not closed. Maybe that's not really important. Then we were looking at the one penis policy, by which we mean control of either gender or genitalia for who other people can date and whether or not that's necessary. And obviously, one penis policies are always bad. We have a whole episode on why one penis policies are always unethical and antisocial. So if that's something someone's trying to do, we thought, well, why do we need to call that unicorn hunting? We can call that a one penis policy. Yeah. So first of all, it's not it's not helpful to roll it in because now right. we passed that line a while back, right? If the question is, where does unicorn hunting become unethical? Mm-hmm. Well, it becomes unethical at the one penis policy. So then that's just its own issue. And then we should call it that issue. We should say the issue here isn't your relationship style, it's the one penis policy part of it. But even then, if it doesn't have that same issue as before, right? So if there isn't a one penis policy, but you do have to date both of these people and the relationships are contingent and it does soak up a huge amount of your time, then even if you're allowed to date outside of the space, it's a problem no matter who you're allowed to date or not date. It's just extra problematic if there's a one penis policy. But we already passed the line wherein we're worried. Mm -hmm. And then we had couples privilege. And by that, we meant leaning into couples privilege so from the couples privilege episode if you remember we differentiate that every relationship has couples privilege and you have to do all this work to avoid the couples privilege and we think that leaning into couples privilege is was we thought was part of the unicorn hunting scenario in our original position and the, the general thought being you often see unicorn hunters say things like the new person will get all the respect and everything they want as long as they understand that my partner comes first or, right. or you know my wife comes first or however they phrase it so there are structures of that because we thought well if people are massively deconstructing their couple's privilege and putting all these barriers into place against couple's privilege and not creating any sorts of rules then that's fine but here's the thing contingency is couples privilege Mm -hmm. you must have sex with my husband to have sex with me is leaning into couples privilege so again it's just it's just included in (laughs) contingency yeah and so it just felt like we didn't need anything else and we realized felt like unicorn hunting is actually aiming at the problems of contingent relationships and how those contingent relationships are hugely problematic yeah right now that we've had time to think about it and i summarized it, we're all sort of on the same page Yeah, that we're pretty happy saying yep. that. So is this even unicorn hunting or is it contingent relationships? Unicorn hunting is the name in the community for the problematic behavior of contingent relationships. Well, I think what we're going to do in this episode then is we're going to talk about why contingent relationships are unethical and then also keep trying to come up with scenarios to litmus test unicorn hunting scenarios as being just contingent relationship scenarios. Okay. Okay. So I, I have a past relationship where I feel like once we started digging into the unicorn hunting, uh, the ethics and really, we really started to dig and I really started to think about it that I feel like I was doing some unicorn hunting with this particular partner. And basically what we were, what would happen is uh, we were both interested in having a female, female, male three-way. And so we'd stumble upon a person that we were both attracted to and agree to both kind of flirt with this person. 
there wasn't a contingency, but there also wasn't a genuine interest in having a relationship with this person. And it wasn't upfront that that was what our interest was. And we never were successful in our goal, I guess you could say. But in retrospect, I realized that it felt problematic, but I didn't know exactly how to address that with my partner because I wasn't familiar with unicorn hunting. I didn't know, I didn't know a whole lot about a lot of things and it didn't have the contingency. What are your thoughts? Okay, so I'm going to respond in two parts on that. Okay. So the first thing is we should have said this earlier, but we forgot. There is a difference between unicorn hunting for a relationship and unicorn hunting for, for sex. sex. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Unicorn hunting for sex originates in far as like seeing it in the material in swinging culture and is mm -hmm. not generally considered particularly problematic even by us because it's a very explicit goal. Right. You say, yes. hey, we would like to have a threesome. Are you interested in a threesome? It will only be a threesome. You explain the rules up front, whatever they are, just as a one night stand, whatever it is you're going to call. And then you guys have sex and the person goes on their way. Yes. We don't have a problem with that, obviously. Yeah. We're okay. very sex positive. A lot of people want to have a threesome. That's how you're going to have a threesome, most likely. Okay. The problem we have is that couple going around looking for a single partner who has to stay dating both of them, be in love with both of them, be a part of both of their lives or get kicked out entirely from both of their lives is really problematic. On the one hand, you were actually looking for, I mean, it sounds like what you wanted the most was just the sex part, but you you didn't yes. you didn't explicitly sever it from the relationship part. You were doing normal things like flirting with people like you might want to date them under a polyamorous mindset, like, well, maybe we could date them together and have multiple repeated three ways with them I assume was sort of on the table. Maybe it wasn't like you guys hadn't said, let's find one person. We're going to sleep with them and then never have a relationship with them. Right. I mean, um, I don't remember. I think it was more like a, a one night stand kind of a thing. We were looking for a one time. And your plan was to tell them, we just want to have a one time thing. Do you want to have a fling with us? Yeah, I believe that we were intending to have that explicit at some point. I don't, I don't remember if we discussed that being explicit, but that I remember that being the goal, that it was not a goal to both of us date one the one, the one same person. Okay, well then, I mean, I think the only thing problematic there was the lack of discussion, discourse, and obvious robust consent, right? That it wasn't like you guys hadn't really laid out what you wanted to do. You weren't laying out with the person what you wanted to do. You were like, let's flirt with them and then see where it goes. And so, I mean, I think that's the only thing that would have been problematic. But if you'd eventually just had a full-fledged conversation with them after the flirting had been fun, because obviously you don't have to frontline that. You can flirt. Flirting is not a problem. Sure. I think that there was a potential to be problematic, but I don't think it was problematic. Oh, for sure. Like, I, th I think that, yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, honestly, Sarah, I think that you would not have let it become problematic. Uh, okay, what makes you say that? Yeah, I don't know about that. But go ahead, Mandy. Because I think that you would have had the conversation. Okay, so you is that just like based on knowing me that you think that that's something that I would do? Yeah. Or... <laughs> Okay, no, I'm just, I'm just curious about your thoughts. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that at some point I would have been like, okay, this is like, I we don't want this to turn into a thing. Right. My experience is that it is harder to avoid problematic scenarios when you don't have a fixed intent in the advance. Because I can totally see a okay. situation where you were like, we're going to have this threesome, we're going to flirt with this person, but you all had a really good time flirting with that person. And then you had a really good time in the threesome and your partner was like, well, why don't we ask them again? Or why don't we see if they want to date us? And it just is an easier sort of, oh, yeah, because you haven't ruled it out. You're not like, we're not going to do this. This is a problem. Okay. Okay. Let's not go that way. And I'm not saying you would have. I'm just saying you can, I mean, especially with NRE and the enjoyment mm -hmm. of new sexual experiences you haven't had before and your brain attaches all of that fun new joy to this person and then someone says well maybe we could make this work as a relationship and then suddenly you're in what amounts to a unicorn hunting relationship with someone all right so if it doesn't include a relationship that's i guess that's true i guess if you want to have a second conditional it's that i mean there's no such thing as severability without a relationship though so i think that you can just sort of say that's part of the the unicorn hunting we're looking at is we're looking at relationship unicorn hunting not sex unicorn hunting so if you're talking about relationship okay. unicorn hunting that's where the severability clause is so what you were doing at least as intended at the time wouldn't be unicorn hunting but i don't know what your approach was that made it feel problematic or you know that stuff can always be problematic pretty easily and i, I don't know and this is one that a lot of people debate you know when do you tell people your goal what is appropriate mm -hmm. it's so weird because obviously our culture really loves flirting and being unclear about intentions yeah. 
but I have found that that always ends up being an ethical gray area. Yeah. Agreed. I love stated intentions. Love them. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Even when my kids like are trying to make plans and stuff, like I, I just, mm-hmm. I love stated intentions. Like what, what's the goal? Sure. <laughs> what's the goal? Cause then everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Tell me exactly what you want. Then everybody's yeah. on the same page. Things get done. If the goal is let's fuck around and find out. Awesome. Yeah. Then let's let's yes. say that, and then that can be our goal. We'll fuck around and find out. <laughs> but let let's everybody be on the same page with fucking around and find out. You know, like it, that was that wasn't plural. Let's everybody be on the same page about fucking around and finding out. Well, and it's funny because the older I get, the more that's a thing. Even in like crazy long relationships, a lot of people would think, "Oh, you've been with your partner for thirteen years now, so you sort of just know what's appropriate and what's inappropriate." And it's like, I mean, sort of, but also sometimes I go and grab my partner and they would be like, I'm not really in the mood. And I felt they were already sort of sad. And then I was already sort of sad. And I was like, oh man, you can just be like, hey, I kind of want to like grab your breast. Is that cool? Or is that a, like, are you in a place for that right now? And then when they're like, yeah, then like for the next, you know, 30, 40 minutes, you can just randomly grab them when you walk by and everyone's happy. And it's just so much easier than trying to see if you grab them and they're like, oh, I'm really sensitive to touch and that makes me sad right now. And then you've made them sad with a sexual gesture, which isn't a memory of you that you want them to have. And it's not Mm -hmm. how you wanted to feel that day either because it, you know, sort of shoots you in the confidence. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, with like relationships, if you want to go into a relationship and it be just like a, let's fuck around and find out, you know, just take it easy. Let's see what happens. Cool. But if you've got one person whose intentions are marriage or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and then the other person is, is in a fuck around and find out kind of mentality. Your intentions don't match. Yeah. I meant it at every level yeah. really is what I was just saying was that just getting on the same page for what it is you're ever yeah. about to do. So I was just trying to relate it to situations where you wouldn't think you would need right. it. Right. But yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah. And, and everything really, because like I said, it, I want to know what's going on with like when my kids want to make plans and stuff. Like, okay, what's the goal? Where are we going to be 24 hours from now? Yeah. What are we trying to accomplish? Where do we want to be 24 hours from now? So, yeah, I think that that was more of aiming at threesome than a unicorn yeah. relationship. So it wasn't quite pol- problematic is what we've determined, but it could have gone there because it wasn't explicit. Yes. That's what we're determining. I mean, I think the one problematic part of it, if I was going to say there's a problematic part of it, is the continued fetishization of bi and pam femme identifying people. Because I think that you had said it had to be a woman. And I do think that that is sort of a one penis policy sort of Uh, goal. That's probably what felt bad about it. And so that's problematic, but it's not problematic for unicorn hunting reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Michael. I think you nailed it. There's lots of ways for things to be problematic. Yeah, that's probably why I felt bad about it. Okay, all right. Thank you. I do I do think there's a, a definitely a problem where, like, if you are a bi woman, it's everybody's constantly trying to throw a threesome at you. And that's obviously yeah. problematic. Declaring open season on femme identifying bi pan people is certainly a <laughs> problematic gesture as they go. Yeah. All right, so here's the scenario that I was trying to think of that the severability clause. Like, so what if two people are looking to date a third person, Jamie and Alex looking to date Aaron, and they want to start dating them together. But if Aaron wants to break up with either one of them or vice versa, the other relationship does not have to end. And they are not expelled from shared spaces that they've been admitted into. Aaron can still come over and hang out at Jamie and Alex's house. Or if Aaron moved in, they won't be kicked out of the house. Is that unicorn hunting? Say it one more time. Yeah, say it one more time. I have a thought, but I want to hear it again now that Mandy said say it one more time. I want to hear it again, too. Jamie and Alex are looking to date someone that they want to date together at the beginning. Uh But if the new person breaks up with Jamie, they can continue to date Alex, and that's not a problem. But they are trying to start by dating one person, finding one person that wants to date both of them. There's no contingency there. That's fine. I, there is no contingency, but I think that there's a, the idea that they're looking for one person to date both of them. I I don't know. Th- there's almost like an invert, inverted contingency. It's like, well, oh, you don't want to ba- date both of us? Well, neither of us want to date you. I think it's okay to have the hope. Okay, yeah, the hope, sure. But it's, it, is that a part of it? If, like, if uh, Jamie, if Aaron only wants to date Jamie but not Alex, does Jamie get to date Aaron? Or I'm sorry, not get to, but dude. Jamie and Aaron, will they date? Is Alex going to veto that, I guess? 
Well, the, the concept here is the pitch is that the answer is supposed to be no. The answer is that Jamie and Alex are looking to date one person, but if after you start dating, you break up with one of them, that's fine. You can still date the other person and you won't be vetoed. There's no veto rule. Sure. Would that be acceptable? I, I mean, I think yes, because there's no contingency. I think on the back end, it's acceptable. All right, well, let me expand. Throw some more baggage on that. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is, if you're going to say that's not unicorn hunting, then theoretically, Jamie and Alex could come into your poly space and say, we're looking for a person to date and describe the kind of person they're interested in dating, which looks exactly like a unicorn hunting ad. Right. But with a caveat that says, but if you break up with one of us, that's fine. Would that be fine for your space if your space allows dating ads? Or is that still hitting something that you don't like? I think it's okay. That, that's what I was saying about on, like, on the front end. On the front end, they're saying we want one person that we both are dating at the same time. And that's why I'm like, okay, well... Let's see, how do I put this in words? I'm, I'm struggling to find the, the right words for this. They're both looking for one person, though, instead of both of them hoping to find a person independently. They're both doing it as a unit for one person. And so it's like the one person that they're trying to find, they'll only accept that one person if they that one person wants them as a unit, not individually. Am I understanding that correctly? But they're saying that that's okay. If you try to date them both and it doesn't work out, then just having one relationship is okay. Mm -hmm. Right, but in order to start the relationship, the person has to want to be with both of them. And that was what I realized after I asked the question when I was thinking through is that they're saying they're not going to date someone that doesn't want to try to date both of them. Even if they stop dating both of them afterwards, we're looking right now for one person that wants to date both of us. I don't think that there's a problem in trying to date together. I don't think that there's a problem in trying to date together. Okay. I think that the problem comes in when there's contingencies placed upon that. And I don't think the attempt is a contingency. I don't think saying, hey, can you give it a shot is a contingency. And because they, they would have to find somebody that's open-minded to do that for sure. But I think mm -hmm. I think that many more people would be open, more open-minded to do it if they knew that there was not a contingency attached to it. That if for some reason you had feelings for one of them and you didn't for the other, or attraction for one of them and not the other one, that that would be okay. So I think it's fine. So then, what makes that ethical is that there's not the inherent possibility of of the like the the, the antisocial kind of pain that is present with the unicorn hunting with the contingency. Is that is that kind of what you're? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that makes it ethical is is the lack of contingency there because you're not gonna be um, you're not gonna get attached to someone and then go, oh, well, if you don't like me, then you can't have that person either. That's the ethicality there is, is that that's not placed upon this person. That, that Aaron's not, Aaron's okay. not okay. having to choose between both or none. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? But Aaron is having to choose between both or none. Only on like the first date, I guess. Right? Only on the first date. Right. And that's not a lot different than the threesome scenario. Right. In the threesome scenario, on the first date, which is a threesome... You have to choose between both right. or none because you either get the threesome or you don't. And they're not saying that you've got to fuck on the first date. You've sure, just, sure, you've just got to no. be open-minded to the both of them. Okay. Yeah. So I think what would make the difference there for me is that if the, the post would have to say something explicit like, we have a policy against vetoing if you don't right. want to date both of us going forward, that would be fine. And we're okay with that. And we're happy to down transition whichever relationship you want to whatever level you're comfortable with, but maintain the other relationship. And that's not a problem for us if that's how it goes. I think I agree with Mandy. I think if you had that level of self-awareness and you had that explicit claim and you had those explicit rules and you set out those guidelines, kind of front-loaded sort of scenario, I think that that would be... Okay. I think that that would still follow as ethical if, of course, it's true. Because that's the thing is, is right. a person looking to date those people? Right, yes. Most of the time, I just wouldn't believe they have that level of emotional maturity. Right. They can say that all day long, but I think they're going to feel rejected. And then obviously, they have this preference for dating someone together, or this thing that they're hoping to have happen. And whenever one of them dates someone that isn't them dating someone together, it lowers the chances of them getting the thing that they're 
looking for. But I think you take that chance dating anybody that's polyamorous because there's a level of emotional maturity that has to be there. Sure. So I was just more thinking about my thought process if I saw an ad like that relating to myself. I would definitely go in with baby steps. So <laughs> hypothetically speaking, what if on like uh, your, your Facebook group for one of your groups, mm-hmm. right? A couple comes into the group and they do a post like that. We are a couple. We are looking for a single person to date. However, if we start dating this person and they don't want to date both of us once we start dating them that's totally fine right but they will only go on first dates if that person there if whoever they're going out with dates the both of them every time they go out with Aaron but only if Aaron wants to go out with both of them they'll go out with Sam but only if Sam wants to go out with both of them that they do not independently reach out or date anybody else on first dates on first dates that the only way they'll even consider anyone else is if it's a couple if it's a, a triad kind of a thing that's a problem. That's a problem. But it's not a it's not a unicorn hunting problem. That is a veto problem. Yeah, because I know a lot of I know a lot of polyamorous people. Okay. I, w- I wouldn't say a lot of polyamorous people. I do I have run into polyamorous people where they are they won't go on a first date alone. One of their partners has to be there. Well, but that's different. You don't have to date both of them for safety you're talking about. Is that for safety or sure. Or is it that they need to be on a romantic date with both of them or they won't go? It's not a romantic date. It's a, it's a, I see it as a control issue, but they say it's for safety. Oh, I see. And it may well be a control issue too. But yeah, the, the problem in both of those cases, assuming there is one, is the veto problem. Yeah. And the veto slash functional okay. veto problem. So it's different. And or the closed slash functionally closed relationship problem. Yeah. So for example, we talked about creating rules that make it impossible to date. So if you have a rule that you, yes. the boyfriend, okay. have to go on every first date with your partner who is a female-identifying individual, then they're probably not going to get a lot of dates because that's creepy and people aren't going to want to be interested in that. Right. And so you have created an impossible barrier to entry that makes it a functionally closed relationship. And so that's problem. the problem, again, for being unclear about your goal, your desires is a control issue. There's not trusting your partner. Your partner dated just fine before you came along. For instance, so then the scenario that you you posit or you you pitched then is not necessarily a, a unicorn hunting problem, but it's a different kind of ethical problem. Yeah, I do think there's a problem in that relationship, or the problem in that relationship. No, so you you added a contingent though. I was saying here's a dating ad they want to put out, and I did not say, but they never ever ever accept individual dates. I just said that for this particular oh. ad, they were saying this is what we're looking for, this is what we want. Uh, or, right. or even this particular response, like they, they write someone on like OkCupid and say, we would like to go out with you together on a first date. We don't want to go unless it's both of us. And we're hoping that it will work out as a potentially organic-ish triad. But if you don't like either one of us, but you want to date the other one afterwards, that's fine. No strings attached. Then we're saying that that is not a unicorn hunting problem and it's not unicorn hunting. And um, I think I'm comfortable with that. I okay. think I wouldn't be upset about yeah. that. I think it'll be hard pressed to get takers on that ad, but I don't, I, uh, I think it's the best version of that. I've actually ever heard of trying to trying to make a triad yeah. happen to, to go into it going, we know it might not and that's fine. And here's how it would look, but you know, fingers crossed and we'd like to date both of you. And I still think it would obviously be better if you were like, we both want to date you. Would you like to date one or both of us would be, I think, I mean, better in my mind. Because again, I think there is something... I would agree with that. There is something about trying to force the triad that we talked about in closed relationships that I think leads to objectification and seeing the person as like you hope they are rather than as they actually are in the same way that obsession and stalking get started because you're just seeing them as someone that you could both be in love with and then you're just really riding your hopes on that and then they're not. So I think I think that that's probably something that more often than not doesn't work out, would not work out great. But I also think it's something where the consent and the guidelines and the rules everyone's playing by are top boarded so yeah. that when you don't follow those rules, it's easier emotionally for the new person to leave. In that scenario, if the, you know, Aaron answers it and says, yeah, we'll go on a date. And then Aaron hits it off with Alex, but not Jamie. And so Aaron starts dating Alex. And then Jamie gets really weird about it and says, no, I really want you to date me. If you're going to date Alex, Aaron says, well, that's not what I agreed to. That's not what you said you were doing. So I'm out. So either you're all liars yeah. or let me date just Alex or I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. 
than if you go into it without any, again, without front-loading the discussion. So you haven't decided what it's going to look like, what it's supposed to look like, and then they start wanting to say, well, if you don't date Jamie, you're not going to get to date Alex. And obviously the absolute worst version of the severability is the non-listed severability that happens, where, like, a female-identifying person is on OkCupid looking for girlfriends, quote-unquote, and then after they've gone on a few dates, they ask if their boyfriend can come along, and then after they introduce their boyfriend, they say, well, we can only keep dating if you're going to date my boyfriend, too. Yeah, that's gross. So they they add an (laughs) afterwards, it's like catfishing, bait-and-switch kind of stuff. That's some gross shit. Mm. All right, no, I, I'm actually impressed. That was the scenario I thought would need a whole bunch of extra rules to make my severability claim work, but I feel like I'm still pretty comfortable yeah. with that. Does yeah. anyone have other scenarios they can think of from our many, many experiences with people coming on and trying to do unicorn hunting stuff that you think can't be captured by severability? No, I was hoping you had more. <laughs> I was hoping you had like a list of them, Michael. Maybe we were going to play like the game. I mean, I'm going to be honest, unicorn hunting isn't actually that varied, so it's harder to have like 30 scenarios of unicorn hunting. Right. I mean, it all basically looks the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, for the most part, we're worried about one specific kind of unicorn hunting, which is the the worst version. Yeah. Like those other things we mentioned, those are warning signs. Obvious extra couples privilege is a warning sign. Obvious one penis policy is problematic for being a one penis policy, but also a warning sign of other problematic stuff if it's also engaged in a non-severability clause. Yeah. And then, of course, if the relationship is also closed, forcibly closed, if you date one or both of us, you can't date anybody else. And also you should date both of us. And then also the non-severability. <laughs> There's levels yeah. uh, of, of of worseness. But I think that the, the line in the sand that I want to draw is when someone's posting an, an article like, yeah, we are looking for someone to date, but, you know, we're adding someone to our happy home, to our power couple, to our triad, to whatever level of people you're adding it to. Oh, that's a good addition that we did. We did need to say that. So the the clause here for severability that we're concerned with is the idea that you should be able to sever any relationship and retain the other relationships yeah. that you have. If you cannot sever a relationship mm-hmm. and continue the other relationships, that's a problem. I was like, isn't that the severability clause, though? Isn't that the... Here's why this matters. One of the common relationships that we see is we see, like, two married couples that end up forming, like, a a Mm -hmm. quad, right? And so in that case, in theory, a lot of times, the way that that works often, oftentimes, is that the women are sleeping with each other and then also each of the husbands. But the husbands are not. Not never, but usually not. And so then you have a scenario where there's more than just two relationships. There's like three or four. Right. So the question is if... Okay, we need to add a new person now. We haven't had needed a fourth. Sam. Sam. Sam is good, yeah. Okay. If you're unicorn hunting for a couple of unicorns, is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I'm talking about... I mean, well, I guess we could be talking... No, no, but I mean, you see... You will see... You will see... Triad looking to add fourth or something like that. Okay. I've seen, I've seen like the triad unicorn. Really? Right. So the triad's looking to add a person. Yeah. Um, It's rarer, but you see it sometimes. An even rarer unicorn? (laughs) (laughs) It's the purple unicorn. (laughs) A rainbow unicorn instead of a, a single colored unicorn. So like a triad or quad looking to add someone or, and we talked about those like multi-fail male, multi-female groups mm-hmm. or whatever, where you have to like only sleep with people in the group, but not necessarily everybody in yeah. the group. And you could imagine a group like that, that has four or five members, two of the members get interested in somebody and try and add them to the group. If your access to other relationships is based on sleeping with somebody, that that still has the problem with non-severability. I think severability comes out of contract language, actually. It's a severability clause. That means you can sever a relationship. Yeah, yeah. The problematic behavior is non-severability. Right. So a non-severability clause. Right. So the thing that's equivalent, identical to unicorn hunting is not severability. It's non-severability. Correct. Yes. It's a relationship package that you're dealing with. Basically, the, the thought there is if you're writing a relationship contract and you want to make sure it's not unicorn hunting, it should ha- take a page from severability clauses, which basically says anyone in this relationship can break up with anyone else and no one else has to break up with them. They get to keep their relationships intact, separate from everyone else. The choices they make between different relationships. Yeah. But so if you had a closed foursome and two of the people in that group were like, I want to date this new person. And they said, but if you don't date this one member of our group, 
then you're out. Right. There's still a non-severability clause, even though it's not the whole group. Like, you don't have to date the whole group in this ex- in this instance. You just have to date two specific people or anybody beyond the person you're actually interested in. Basically, if someone's asking you to date you and they have a non-severability clause with any other person, no matter what that looks like, we want to call that unicorn yes. hunting and say that it is antisocial. Agreed. Yeah. Ugh. It just, like, just the language just gives me the, the willies. Yeah. The, like, I don't know... It's very Manson family sounding to me, I guess. I don't know. It's very cultish. Like the whole, like, you know, like if, you've, if you're going to sleep with one person, you've got to sleep with at least this. Like, it's just very uh. cultish sounding. And honestly, that's what all of it looks like when I see most unicorn hunting posts. The unicorn hunting posts are like, we're looking to add a cute bisexual girl to our perfect family or and here we're using unicorn for anything we're saying bisexual women because that's just the most common thing people are looking for i've seen the same thing where it's like we're a married couple and he's bi and we're looking to add a bi guy to our family and that's yeah that's still a problem or lesbians looking for another lesbian or gay men looking for another gay man any relationship like that where they're just looking to add a person. What they're adding is a specific set of uh, of genitalia slash sexuality. Yeah, they're adding sexual interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. Again, we we said it doesn't have to be a specific set, right? Is what we've decided for it to be unicorn hunting. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is it doesn't have to be a specific set, but that's what they're looking for: is a set of genitalia yeah. and a sexuality. Right. Yeah. Like usually unicorn hunting posts have those specific things listed. Yeah, again, those are warning signs, but our hard line claim is that we don't need those things, right? That even if it was like we're a we're a we bi don't. woman married to a bi man who is looking to date anybody, but you have to date both of us. And if you break up with yeah, one yeah, of us, yeah. we're you have to break up with both of us, that's unicorn hunting. That's super right. flexible unicorn hunting, but that's unicorn hunting. Super flexible <laughs> unicorn hunting. <laughs> unicorn hunting nonetheless. <laughs> I think that's the warning sign to look for. Like if you're new to polyamory and you're trying to decide if you're being unicorn hunted, ask the questions about severability and non-severability basically. Like, oh, well, I'm interested in both of you, but if I break up with one of you. What happens? Is it cool if I continue dating the other person or is that going to be a problem? Always ask to see the severability clause. <laughs> I'd like to see the severability clause, please. <laughs> that's what—that's the episode name right there, the severability clause. <laughs> no, it's definitely going to be unicorn hunting because that's going to get the clicks. But. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, always ask to see the severability clause if you think if there's any any iota of of unicorn hunting, any even pink flag comes up. Ask to see the severability clause. There you go. All right, so we're going to do the epics on this. Um, it's going to be a little bit I mean, relatively quick because I think these are pretty straightforward. It's funny because the first time we recorded this, we did this part first, obviously, and then we started getting into. So what do we mean when we say unicorns and then we're hunting? And then we were like, well, wait a minute. And we confused ourselves terribly. But I think this episode really benefited from that because I think we had clarity in what we wanted to say. And I think we actually came down on a much better answer than we had originally had. Agreed. <laughs> I feel like what we had before sort of all cobbled together aimed at the same things. If you had those other things, you ended up basically in this situation. But this is just a much better system and even did something that I didn't expect, like come up with the fact that you can have a couple's ad wants to date someone and it is potentially ethical given the right constraints and the right mind frame of the, the couple going forward. And that's something I hadn't really expected to see in my lifetime. Right. So that was cool. Although I will say as a caveat, this is not to indicate that I think that polyamorous or ethical non-monogamous dating communities should accept those sorts of ads, because I can see there being an abuse of that where if they said that would be okay if you had all those statements, yes. unicorn hunters would just add that text block. I was thinking the same thing. And But it not really yeah. be true. Yeah. And, you know, if I was writing rules for an organization and I was allowing dating ads, I would still have no joint dating ads in the rules because of how likely they are to lead to abuses yeah i was wondering about that like how would you how would you put that into rules like on a facebook group or whatever how would you put that into rules without it being abused the the couple's ad kind of a thing yeah I wouldn't. and so i'm happy you're throwing that in there that <laughs> i would just say don't do it because that was that was my thought is like i i don't think i put that in there even if i even if that was something that was okay with me in my group whatever like i mean we've decided that that's something that's ethical in the terms that we discussed. I don't think that I would put that in my group if I had a group. So 
I'm happy that we're on the same page of that. They could just be abused, right? Yeah, I just don't think that would work. I just think it's, I don't think it's practical. People would just use it as a workaround. Yeah. 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 So I've been actually, in a sense, surprised at how unwilling people in the groups that I have been in have been used to do what it would amount really to to sort of to be workarounds. You know, that realistically in most groups you could still post an introduction that's like it doesn't say you're looking for, but it's everything shy of saying the words looking for and it's basically a dating ad. And like some people do it, but it seems to still be a shockingly small number of people. Most people just aren't willing to conform to the rules. They just want to say, here's my ad. But a lot of times also it's just a short lived thing. Like they'll just post things they're not supposed to post and then get banned. And their thought is, well, if people saw my post yeah. and they, then they reached out to me if they were interested. And if not, who cares? I've been banned. So what? Then they jump in another group and do yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I think they shotgun, yeah. basically. So I, I don't know that that yeah, really I've matters that. either. I think that a lot of times people actually are not trying to come up with workarounds to stay in your group. I think they just shotgun and hope that the shotgun works before they get shut saw down. saw enough people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so why are non-severable relationships always going to be problematic? There's a lot of reasons for this. The, the biggest one, of course, being that the cornerstone of ethical non-monogamy is the belief that your relationship with other people shouldn't be controlled by outside people and should be authentic to the way that you enjoy interacting with other people. So if I have someone that I like seeing and I think that it would be fun to have sex with them, I should have the ability to make that call on my own. If I think it would be fun to have a romantic relationship with them, if I think it would be fun to have an aromantic, asexual, but very deep and committed relationship with them, I should be able to do that. Whatever it is. Any type of relationship, yeah. That you want to build the authentic type of relationships and connections that you're going to make organically with other people. That's the... The goal. What's the goal, but it's also what underguards the ethics part right that that's what makes it a lot of the ethical part of it is that you're relating to individuals in the end you are responsible for your relationship with a specific individual right when your relationship to a specific individual is governed by a third party it's governed for inauthentic reasons that have nothing to do with the natural connection that you have with that person or the natural best fit for the relationship that you would have with that person. It also treats you like an object because a third party has control over something that is pivotal to your being, which is your important relationships with someone else that has nothing to do with them. It's the reason that vetoes are unethical, right? I mean, and really that's the thing is non-severability clause is just a very specific built-in veto. Right. Yeah. And it's the worst kind. It's, it's the coercive sex veto. If I don't get yep, my coercive right. sex, right. they're vetoed automatically, no debate. Yep. Which is the next thing yeah. is that no sex should ever be coerced. Yep, 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 yep. So you're not even supposed to do that in your own relationship, right? Like, so if you're having a yeah, relationship right. yeah. with somebody, you're not supposed to go to them and say, if you withdraw sex from me, I will... In the relationship. Yeah, I mean, that's sexual assaulty. Yeah, can I just say, like, and I know we've said this before, I just... I don't understand why people want to have sex with people that don't want to have sex with them. I Agreed. just don't get it. Yeah, that's a really weird pitch to me. I don't know why you would enjoy or want that. I've never understood nice. it. I don't get it. It's gross. And that's just, that's, yeah. So, sorry. Continue. Shame. <laughs> just don't get it. Um, so, just to quickly clarify, it is appropriate to have discussions about what you need long-term fit for a relationship. So, not like you must sleep with me yes. right now. Or I'm breaking up with you, which is an exploding offer clause, which is manipulative and it is against consent, etc. Abusive. And it is right, it's abusive and it's coercive mm -hmm. and all of that is bad. But it is okay to say, I don't want to be in a sexless romantic relationship. For me, I need sex to feel connected over the long term. We're going to have to work this out so that we can both get our needs met or we'll have to transition our relationship to something that meets our needs, even if that means transitioning it all the way out that's totally acceptable yeah i was definitely talking about sleep with me tonight even though you're not in the mood and don't want to or else that's coercive and bad that's what's going on basically only it's worse because there's this illusion 
that the person that you care about isn't the one harming you. Right. Right. So there's this person that you love, that you think is really awesome, that you want to stay with. And there's this horrible third person that's just saying, well, if you want to keep seeing this person you love, you have to sleep with me. And you can tell yourself, oh, well, that person's controlling both of them. And it's not really the person that I love doing it. It's this other third person. And it makes it harder to draw that emotional line. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the, the things, right, is that I'll see people say, why is consent not enough for unicorn hunting? If everybody consents, it should be good. And we did an episode called Consent is Not Always Enough, right? I mean, that's the effectively yep. the name. And it, consent is not always enough. And go listen to that episode if you need mm -hmm. to understand why. And unicorn hunting is one of the few things that we just have so, like, since the beginning of ethical non-monogamy and community formation, all of the stories, all of the evidence is that non-severable relationships, unicorn hunting, hurts people. It hurts them. It puts them in coercive right. situations. It puts them in damaging situations. And it also, as we've said in the closed relationships, ethical and otherwise, even just to have a multi-person relationship requires you to have all of your ethics games on point times 10 if it's going to stay ethical. Mm -hmm, right. You have to have planning, financial planning for breakups if you really want the sex to be non-coercive. If you want to make sure that the other yep. person isn't thinking, right. if I don't sleep with them, will I have a house tomorrow? You have to have a yeah. system in place that rehomes them and gives them the financial support they need if you ever break up, if you're the primary breadwinner. And now if you have two people and this person moves into this two person's house and all and the finances are all entwined and usually the couple is providing everything because they already had the house and the home and the yard and this person moved in and now they have no home and they have no friends outside the couple and they're living with them and going to couple benefits and they're probably polysaturated and they've got that's like their entire friend and family their entire community their entire living structure you just have to have right so much written out about what the safety transitioning looks like how we get you a safe home if you can't live with us anymore will we help pay for an apartment while you transition and get the funds together and find someplace else there just has to be this amazing mm -hmm. amount of work that would go in that people just don't do. Right. right. And it's, it's so far beyond the skill set of most people. When you are running an organization, the, the ethics are obviously different. As in running an organization, you're trying to make rules that are the safest for people while giving them the most freedom without harming them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you just say, well, no couple's looking for ads because the chances that someone gets battered right. are just massive. Are super, super high. Right. Yeah. So it totally makes sense to take those out. I think that I, I think that's pretty good, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could sort of go on and on about all the reasons it's problematic, but I think we don't need to because I think... I think the other episodes covered it. Right. Yeah, I think the other episodes covered the, some of the stuff. And then I think the severability is just, it's got a built-in veto. It's coercive sex. I don't know how many other mm -hmm. things I would need to have to make it clear why it's unethical. Right. But it's also likely to cause financial damage. It's likely to cause emotional damage. It's likely to create a situation where everybody who's telling you anything is the is the couple that you're dating and so you're isolated and you're ripe for abuse and you're ripe for brainwashing and they're totally controlling mm -hmm. your being for others at least majorly because it's both of your partners and they're doing it together conspiratorially with a specific goal of coercing you into sex you don't want to be having potentially i mean it just it just goes on and on and on. And I think it's just really simple. If you want to claim that you're not having unicorn hunting, there has to be a severability option. And if you want to claim that it's ethical, you have to not have a one penis policy. You have to focus on really, really focus on centering couples privilege and leaning out from your couples privilege because you're starting as a couple, which puts you in a massively... So the couples privilege episode, we talked about the problem that when you date someone, they just have all this built-in equity. But when you date both parts of a couple, they both have couples privilege and it's the same couples privilege and it's both against you. So it's like... It's double the ugly. Yeah, it's an exponential expansion mm -hmm. of the couple's privilege. So they yes. have to just exponential have like, ugly. everything yeah. unlocked. Like, yeah. we will absolutely support you if you move out. We will absolutely right. not gang up on you. Here's what that looks like. Here's how you make votes fair. I mean, just, just so much work you'd have to put in to even begin to make that function. You'd have to almost have a prenup. 
Yeah, I mean, seriously. But, like, but like for a like, date two. I mean, you'd almost have to have a prenup for I mean, it. but, like, really early on. Crazy early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right in the beginning. Yeah, like, it just... Yeah. It's just... There's no protection in it whatsoever. It's just so emotionally risky and manipulative. And not even intentionally. Yeah. When I say emotionally manipulative, I just mean it's going to twist your emotions up in a weird way. I think I've told this story before, but I lived with a roommate once by myself. I moved out of town, and I lived with just this one roommate for, like, six months. And at the end of the six months, I moved back home and I realized that my view of the world had become so crazy and twisted during that six months because the only person reflecting me back to me was them. Like this crazy (laughs) stuff seemed totally reasonable. Just, I mean, this insane stuff. I don't remember all of it, but I mean, the stuff that I thought like, oh, I'm a horrible person for not doing things that I hate with you because I'm your best friend and you're my best friend and we're supposed to support each other. And even though it makes me miserable, I should totally do that with you. That kind of abusive stuff that we've talked about before made so much sense because they were the only one of my friends there. So they were the only person reflecting me back. And I can't even imagine if there had been two of those people that were just completely on the same page and not just friends, but lovers. Yeah. Or importantly intense, aromantic, asexual relationship. You know, whatever the relate, But like, but a really meaningful, like, like, I mean, friends are meaningful, but I hadn't gotten to the point where I was like, sort of non-sexually marrying my friends when I was younger. Like now I kind of do that. But like, yeah, but I hadn't mm-hmm. reached that level of understanding about relationships. because I was just like a normative monogamous person. So this person didn't even hold like this central relationship in my life. Right. And now if I had two people that did hold that, like, I mean, all bets are off. Like they can just basically tell you anything. Would you have you? You would be in a situation where you basically got, like, Stockholm Syndrome yeah. happening. Yeah, exactly. You know, where you've got those those two things, two minimal things reflecting back on you. You know, I just, yeah. I, when you said it, I thought, God, it is. It's so important to have the right people at your reflection. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's just so important. And to have those, like you said, to have two people doing it in a toxic way, it is. It's, it's uh, it would be too much. Yeah, and I think... Dating like that, I would definitely advise people who are thinking of dating a couple just not to, to be honest. Organic triads are different. That's not when they're attempting to do it. You just sort of end up there. Right. Date them individually first. Even with the clauses we said, we said, well, they might be doing ethical if they do this. That was a lot of if they actually have all the wherewithal. Those are big. To legitimately do that, which they probably don't. And keep the wherewithal. But also... By the time you know if they can do that, like at the time you know them well enough that they to know they can do that, at that point it's now an organic triad if it forms because you've known them right. for like a year and a half and you've seen <laughs> that they yeah. actually can do these things and you've fallen in love with both of them. It's not a first date anymore. You've moved right. into an organic right, right, triad yeah. anyway. So I just would say that's a thought experiment. If these conditions were met and they were true, it would be ethical. If you want to date a couple, this is the best you're going to get. But it's just so rife for abuse. We know relationship abuse happens in a ridiculously high number of relationships relationships as it is it's super easy to get abused in a relationship with one person and if you have two people who are on a united front that's so dangerous yeah yeah it's like i said it's that it's like having just that one toxic reflection is really shitty having two toxic reflections right yeah like you it's 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 super, super difficult to combat. Right. Yeah, so there's the upshot. People could date as a couple, theoretically, but probably won't be able to. We don't recommend you date couples because it will almost certainly end in you being harmed. It might not, but it's... Man, that would be a very unique yeah. and very special couple that you found. You'd be lucky. would be very, very lucky. It's... Right. <laughs> I like that, Michael. <laughs> And we think organically forming triads are better anyway. So even if you think you found the right couple, if they are the right couple, they'll be your friends for a year first and then date you. So, you know, you don't have to put yourself in the relationship risk zone to find out if they're a fun couple that you might want to date. You can just transition later. (laughs) So I wouldn't worry about it too much. And yeah, don't ever date anyone where sleeping with someone else is a condition of the relationship. Right. Yep. That's unethical. Right. That's unicorn hunting. And it's disgusting. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the emotional response most people have to seeing a person they care about being routinely yes. harmed or abused. Right. So yes. that is the normal emotional response for sure. But we're also trying to encourage people to change. So just a reminder, your actions are not who you are. You always can grow and change and be something else. That's my favorite part yeah. about the existentialist belief that we are all a living possibility is that we change constantly. So you can't pin other people down to being the same thing forever, but it also means you are not your individual action. You're the sum of your learning, growing, changing, 
challenging actions at the end. Constant opportunities to grow. So if you've done any of the stuff that we talked about and you went, oh, because we've, I think we've all said we've done stuff like that. We've all done pseudo unicorn right. hunting. Oh, yeah. We've all done that. Yeah. The, the key right. for ethics and for my ethic judgment, you're not gross because you did that once. The problem is if you continue to do it, if you know better, if you learn better and you're not trying to keep helping your partners be and the potential partners and just humans in general live happier, healthier lives and you're trying to take advantage of them. And as Mandy said, you're trying to convince people who don't want to have sex with you to have sex with you. And you do that and you continue to do that. That is when you become the thing that you fear that you are. So if you think, oh, I did one thing yeah, right. and I don't want to believe that it's bad because if it is, I have to think I'm a bad person. Well, if you don't understand that it's bad and you keep doing it, that's when you really will be a bad person. You're not a bad person now, yeah. but... Then you become your actions. Yes. Right. As, as we said, the, as we've said this before on other episodes, the only unforgivable act is refusing accountability, refusing to grow, refusing to change and refusing to reduce harm when confronted with harm. That's really the only truly yeah. unforgivable act. Right. So change, do better, don't do any of these things. And for God's sakes, avoid people who are unicorn hunting you. And don't be a unicorn hunter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a unicorn hunter for sure. I mean, I feel like it's a whole different episode, but I know we're out of time. But does anyone have like a two minute thought on people that identify as unicorns? Uh, I think people who identify as unicorns have never been a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> have never been in this situation and that you know to be like that that's what i get like from the social media huh. boards and things like that mm -hmm. is people they're like but i identify as a unicorn and everybody and their mothers will come out of the woodwork and go because you've never fucking been one once you've become one once you've you've been drugged through the mud once you've had these contingencies put on you you've had your heart broken you've had your shit stepped on you won't do it again your note is that the vast majority of people who identify as unicorns are people Sort of like we said, most monogamish couples that open up start as unicorn hunters because it when they're just reading the books, it looks the most appealing. It's like that scenario. Someone yeah. read a bunch of books and went, ooh, two people fawning over me sounds amazing. I totally want to do this. And they're identifying as it and they're right. they're enjoying people writing them and giving them lots of attention and praise. But then when they actually live the life and actually have the contingent relationship and get thrown out of the house when it doesn't work right. out and forced into sex they don't want to have, then they're like, oh my God, this is a horrifying, terrible scenario. Well, because think about it, like everybody wants to be loved and cared about and taken care of and supported. And the the ad says that two people are going to do that. Yeah, for At sure. At the same yeah. time, in the same house, with the same amount of love. And that looks amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So fuck yeah, hell yeah, that looks great. I want that. Yeah, Sign me up. Right. But that's not the way it is. That's an important note. So what we're really saying is that the biggest reason that unicorn hunting is a problem is that it just doesn't work. That it always ends yeah. in harms. It's just, it's very right. foreseeable. If the boundary for culpability is reasonably foreseeable, we all can tell you it's going to hurt. The unicorn yeah. hunting basically works out never. But it's like a kid next to a hot damn stove, man. Sure. You can tell them all day long it's not going to work, but until they touch <laughs> that stove, they're not going to realize exactly how fucking hot it right. is. It certainly is appealing if someone was like, oh, we'll just send you two partners to start dating immediately who will just lavish you with love and attention and you will can share them and you don't have to go anywhere and you can have right. three people in bed at the same time all the time i would be like that sounds amazing constant threesomes Yay. yeah no <laughs> yeah they make it look amazing but then it never works out yeah i completely understand these people who are like yes i'm a unicorn that would be amazing i'm a unicorn let me put a cute little horn on and dance around and wear a skirt no 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 <laughs> You don't want that. Because that is not, like, that's, it's false advertising, yeah. people. It's false advertising. Listen to the language. Unicorn hunting, you don't want people hunting you. That's never a thing that you want. Right. It's very objectifying in the sense that it makes you into an object that they're trying to claim to catch. It takes away your agency. They catch you. You don't actually choose them. <laughs> right. If that's like a fetish for you, awesome. Do that in a fetish club or with a relationship that you have already on the side. Do that sexually that's cool you don't want to be hunted for a relationship yeah, yeah. you don't not a non-severable yes, relationship yeah. for sure you do not right. want it don't do it it's a hot stove that's it that's unicorn hunting <laughs> thank you all for your patience thanks for checking on us <laughs> all right thanks for listening thanks for listening bye. and we'll see you next time bye all right bye
I completely understand these people who are like, yes, I'm a unicorn. That would be amazing. I'm a unicorn. Let me put a cute little horn on and dance around and wear a skirt. No, 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 you don't want that. Cause that is not like that's, it's false advertising people. It's false advertising. 